1: Final hour of the show is here. It's 6.06. Dr. Dunn is not here. I'm Randy Corcoran. Honored to be guest hosting tonight. A statement from Matt Dunn. Quote, I just had to realize I'm too darn busy to keep the Sunday routine at present. Close quote. So there you go. I heard the top of the hour news that um, Beyonce won a whole bunch of Grammys, maybe the most recognized Grammy Award winner, and I just thought to myself, does anybody really care anymore? I mean, the ratings for the Oscars, the ratings for the Grammys, and Beyonce, not my kind of music, I don't, you know, whatever, uh, but you, you can't knock her talent or her tremendous success, God bless her, but Grammys, Oscars, nah, just another example of why I come in and do radio with such optimism. You lose a midterm election. Then you look at the numbers and you see that Republicans, um, more people voted Republican by 4 million across the country that if it had been a presidential year, we would have won the electoral college and the presidency with 297 votes uh, of the 270 electoral college votes needed because, um, That's how good the turnout machine was for the RNC. So there's just so much. And listen, if you want details about that, go back and grab the podcast from the Saturday night show that I did last night because we had Ronald McDaniel on for almost a half an hour. And there is an awful lot to learn about the reasons that I remain so optimistic, optimistic, our chances for the presidency and uh and of course, our chances to take over the Senate—it's—it uh, is a bright-looking map. Also, last night we had John Tig Tigan. He is one of the—he needs the local. Well, actually, there are two local heroes from the 13 hours in Benghazi: uh, Mark Ozgeist, who I've had on the radio multiple times, and John Tig Tigan, who's become a good friend, uh, ridden motorcycles together, and different things, and. Uh, we had him on last night because he, for whatever reason, I mean, I know he's hit his head a lot of times, but he decided to run for Colorado Springs governor. And uh, so we are Colorado Springs mayor. It's getting late. Colorado Springs mayor. And so we had him on to talk about that. And at the end of the interview, he said, We just brought up Benghazi for some reason. And he said, "Man, there is new information out, a uh, new book, I guess, and everything else." And I said, "Look, we got to get you back to talk about it." And so, Benghazi war hero John Tig Tigan joins us now. Good evening, Tig.
2: Hey Randy, how's it going?
1: Good. Long time no talk to.
2: Right, it's been forever. <laughs>
1: So you really intrigued me last night and, uh, you know, we went through your resume and some of the things you plan to do as mayor. I encourage everybody to go back and grab that podcast, figure out how they can help you. But then you dropped and it reminded me at the end of that interview that uh, in a prior time you were on one of my shows, Uh, you introduced me to an author. There was a new book coming out that there's new dirt, for lack of a better word, on Benghazi. Let me turn it over to you.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, uh, that was Sarah. She was a CIA targeter, and she actually worked on the uh, the, the Trade Gowdy Select Committee to investigate Benghazi, and then uh, Boone, uh, which was the uh, the other secret uh, GRS agent that didn't come out public uh, from Thirteen Hours. So, when uh, she was on the the committee doing the you know the back the investigation, she was just seeing stuff, and she didn't like the way it was going, and. You know she was seeing like they weren't truly targeting the true attackers and who really attacked us so when it was all over her and boone just kind of you know got together and they just started researching and again her being a target and they and still having assets over there she just started contacting and started putting things together and they came up with a book called uh no uh no thy enemy and so that's their book but Again, what she told me, again, this was September of last year when I found out was, um, so there was, I, I, I don't know the exact number, now. I can't really remember, but I think they said it was like seven or eight Al-Qaeda or Al-Qaeda groups came together and actually attacked the consulate. But, you know, the, the Al-Qaeda was supposed to be on the run, right? Uh, but instead of being running away and they were running towards Benghazi to attack the consulate, they, that's never happened before. Um, They've never had that many groups come together to attack one location and actually work together. Um, Because, you know, they they have adult and turtle, you know, fighting and stuff like that. Um, And the uh, group that attacked the CIA compound was not even the same group that attacked the consulate. None of them attacked, attacked the consulate, attacked the CIA compound. So it was two different, completely separate attacks. The... The consulate, they, they are pre-planning that attack for a few months prior. So that was a 100% pre-planned. Um, they're not 100% sure if ours was pre-planned, but the group that picked up, uh, Bub from the airport and brought him to us, that's the same group that was attacking the CIA compound all night long. So they, their delay, um, was, to make sure that everybody got there and they were waiting to set up the mortars. So when uh when when Bob and them landed, they were supposed to pick them up immediately and bring them, but they did it because they wanted to set the mortars up. They wanted to make sure that when the mortar team was ready to go when the, when they had enough sunlight to shoot that they could do it. So that's when they brought them to our compound and but nobody knows why they stopped shooting the mortars. Um and then uh as for the uh, stand down order that was given by our Kifa base Bob, that was 100% a stand down order. And I and and again, Adam Schiff that came out and said uh, that I lied about the stand down order so I could sell more books knew this. So he again played blatant, blatant slander defamation against me um, from from a from from Schiff, but.
1: Well, Tig, let so, me let me interrupt you for a second. You don't know any lawyers or anything, do you? Well, yeah, but, but, but again, from <laughs> they're 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 pretty protected when they lie from the Congress, the floor yeah, of Congress. Exactly. Yeah, it's there's that's, immunity and that's
2: there. Yep, yeah, and that's where he did it at. He didn't do it out in the public. Yeah, he did it from the floor, of course. So, so Bob, the the 17th Fed Martyrs Brigade, which was the QRF team for the consulate, told Bob. Uh, and, again, the, uh, 17, it, it was just a bunch of locals. It wasn't like a big trained unit or anything like that. Um, it was just, um, you know, trips and bloods came together and they formed a group. That's pretty much what 17 Feb was. But they told Bob, um, I think like a week prior to the attack, that they were not going to help if something happened to the at the consulate. That night, again, we, we weren't told this, that night when uh, they, when we got the phone call and Bob called them that night, they, they again re- told him, we are not going to come and help. And that is why we got told to stand down because he was not going to let us leave, period. Because he knew that we were the only, only people going over to the help, um, and push off 150 attackers from the consulate. So if we did not disobey those orders, there would be dead, there would be five more dead Americans. So, and then, you know, moving back to, um, the, the CIA attack on our compound from, uh, I forgot the name, The I won't say Libyan Shield, but I don't think that's the right right group. But anyways, when uh, we uh, rescued the State Department, brought them back to our compound, our chief of base and team leader continued to lie to us. Um, they stopped reporting uh, attacks so that when people asked why nobody came to help, why, you know, everybody turned around and went home, it's because the CIA, they stopped reporting the attacks. They didn't know we were still under attack um, until we got pretty much up to Tripoli. Nobody knew. So, again, Roan and Bub died because they didn't do their job. And, you know, everyone would say Hillary lied, Americans died. No, the CIA lied before Americans died. Because if we'd have left immediately we could have saved uh, 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 Ambassador Steven and Sean Smith would be alive today. That's a 100% guaranteed fact. And if they were reporting to the uh, con- continuous attacks on us and, and allowed the military to do their job, Roan and uh, would be alive today. That's a fact.
1: It's just terrifying. Okay. Do, will we ever understand why? Uh, this... Oh, wait a minute. looks like a uh, hard break here on Backbone Radio Tig, we're going to throw you on hold. I want to pick up this story on the other side. Benghazi war hero John Tig Teigen will stay with us. I hope you will too, because I've got some questions about what it was like that night and why, in God's name, what is the motive to have sacrificed Americans, including a friend of Hillary Clinton's, the ambassador, Chris Stevens. Stay with us on Backbone Radio at 710K in U.S. Yeah, hey, I'd love to let that one breathe, but we've got a special guest on the line. Randy Corcoran guest hosting Backbone Radio tonight and Benghazi war hero John Tig, and also candidate for Colorado Springs Mayor, tigformayor.com tigformayor.com mayorcom kind enough to wait through the break. And uh, what was the name of the book again that was released in September, Tig?
2: Know Thy Enemy.
1: Know Thy Enemy. Is there any suspicion or any knowledge about what possible motive – Uh, Barack Hussein Obama Secretary of State Hillary Clinton would have had uh, or their entities, the CIA, whoever it was that allowed Americans to get killed, put you and your colleagues at such risk and and forced you to violate uh, direct orders to go in and try and save our ambassador why would they do it?
2: Yeah, honestly I have no idea, I I really don't Um, I think if Honestly, I think if Hillary would have came out and actually told the truth, she would have beat Donald Trump because uh, it would put the blame on the CIA. And I don't know why she would cover for him. Uh, or maybe she just didn't really know. She was just that ignorant and that incompetent. Um, it's, it's hard to say. We all know that, you know, Obama, he just said he just, you know, he took off to vegas for his fundraiser so we all know what he was doing
1: yeah september 11th 2012 was uh, was election season obama was running for re-election uh yeah. hillary hillary clinton had already been beaten by him in a primary and uh, what gosh was it was it was mitt romney for god's sake on the other side <laughs> uh, we've come a long way since then thank god um so, you know, you never talk really about your experience there. And I've watched the movie, I've read the book, and, and I've I've heard you talk a little bit about it. But how do you make the decision? You were a private contractor at this point, right? You were no longer active military.
2: Yeah, all of us were uh, private contractors.
1: So, But you're still subject to the orders of whoever your military uh, supervi- superiors are in that situation. So I guess you're not subject to court-martial. What kind of risk... Do you put yourselves in as a private as private contractors when you violate a stand down order?
2: Well, I mean, for us, we technically don't really work for the chief of base. Um, we don't even work for the chief of station, and they do that because that way he doesn't really he can't control his fires. Um, but uh, you know, when we left and went and did what we did, if we would have got killed over at the consulate, I mean, we our families would have not gotten anything because we're out of our scope of duty. It wasn't our job. It wasn't, we had no responsibility whatsoever for the state department. But again, when you give somebody your word, it doesn't really matter. And even if we didn't give them, give them our word, it goes down to like, we were the only help that they had period. There was nobody that was going to be able to do what we did. I mean, no, there was nobody there that was trained to do what we did. So yeah.
1: Was there was there much debate i mean how long did you guys have to decide amongst yourselves that we're just going in because if we don't they're all dead men
2: it was again we sat there for they said 25 minutes obviously it felt like an eternity um but when uh i believe it was was alec he was on the radio he was the one that was in the uh um, it was either alec or scott i don't really can't remember which one but um, he was in there with the ambassador and he gets on the radio and just says, you know, he's like, if you guys don't get here now, we're all going to f and die. And it was probably five, six seconds at the most. And we get on the radio, we're leaving. And we literally had to stop again. We had to stop the vehicles to allow our team leader to jump in the vehicles because we were leaving without him Yeah, for them to sit there and say, we allowed them to go. No, they did not we went on our own accord, and we were leaving regardless.
1: You weren't directly hit with uh, mortar or other um, other shells or anything like that. But you were you were knocked. Weren't you knocked into a building or your head into a window or something as part of the effort?
2: yeah i did that at, um and i got shot in the, in the side by an ak but luckily my uh, armor stopped the penetration of it but it still hurt <laughs> it yeah i feel good
1: yeah yeah I've, I've seen people take shots uh in bulletproof vests and uh yeah they keep it from piercing your skin or um causing you to bleed but they can you can still crack a rib yeah. with a shot on one of those things can't you
2: Oh, oh, yeah, but luckily, you know, it it hit right there in that little the little where the fat handle, where the love handle is, fat handle, yeah, fat handle is now with the love handle.
1: Yeah, you got a you got a lot of fat on you, buddy. I've I've seen you recently, monster. You know,
2: it's i got i got a a six pack under there. It's just it's just protected by a cake, (laughs) so
1: it's good. That's (laughs) funny. Well. Uh, the book sounds fascinating, and um, would there be any value? I'd I'd forgotten about this when you told me about it at first. You know how things come up during election season and everything else. Uh, should I reach out to her and maybe get her on my show sometime? Uh, would again,
2: there... I think so. Because I, I, it sets more of the record straight. Again, you know people want to blame. So again, people want to blame Hillary for everything. I mean, I still don't really care for her. But I can't really blame her for the death of ambassador. Uh, I, I, I can't, knowing what I know, that the CIA lied to us, and it, it was their failure to do their duty that caused the death of four Americans.
1: I just, I um, know it was but, election season. I know it wouldn't have looked good for Obama. It didn't look good anyway to then have, you know, lose the. Although the truth really didn't come out prior to the election that they had just mm-hmm. sort of allowed those men, uh, those people, to be killed. Uh, it's just so hard to imagine how people who swear an oath to the Constitution and go into these elite services like the CIA, the FBI uh, can make such un-American gutless, uncourageous decisions there's there's been no no justification ever provided for me why you would let those men die because you you guys with properly armed, properly um, coordinated and everything else, you could have stopped the hundred bastards that were there, right?
2: And we did. I mean, we, well, that's we true. <laughs> it's just too
1: late. Yeah. So,
2: yeah. I mean, again, if they'd let us leave when we wanted to, there'd be two Americans alive right now. Um, two more Americans. But, but yeah, I mean, bringing them on, they get more detail on actually who attacked us, um, where they are. I mean, she's, they, they did a really good job. I mean, it, it's a geeky kind of a thing, but it's way too much for my head. Cause they, I mean, she's, I mean, she's been in that region forever. So she has it. Like down, um, and I would say, yeah, it, it'd be a good interview. And what
1: was her role in the CIA again?
2: She was a she was a targeter. So her job was to track down uh, uh, targets and get them pretty much on the X to so we could put the warhead on the forehead.
1: Well, let's circle back and make that connection again because that's an interview I would definitely like to have.
2: Okay.
1: Hey, we're Not about to problem. these these sections. These segments go fast, and we're going to run out of time here quickly, but how, how, what bones do you have to pick with the movie 13 Hours of Benghazi? What what there uh, was just <laughs> not real? Is there a lot?
2: Uh, you know, I don't remember a whole lot of it, but I didn't lose the grenade launcher. That's, that's a false. I didn't get shot in the chest. I got shot in the side, and I never said I was tired. I need a break. <laughs> I would say, for me, those are the biggest ones. <laughs> um that's insulting it honored it it is yeah but it honored the four guys so i didn't i let it go it sure. is what it is you know who, who so, was
1: it that played john tig teigen in that movie
2: it was uh dominic famusa and i actually got to train him for the ser- series purge that he went and played in also huh he good. came out to my house and and i trained him
1: good guy you uh you approved of the casting
2: uh we don't we didn't have a choice um, but, yeah, I mean, I liked him. I thought he was a pretty cool guy. I mean, even before a Democrat, he's still, he's still a good guy.
1: Hmm. Text message. I, I still, Go ahead.
2: No, I still talk with him. I actually just talked to him the other day. So yeah. But, yeah.
1: Very cool. Text message came in. Ambassador Stevens had been asking for help from the administration for months. They were denied repeatedly. So yeah. what was really going on, they knew what was coming and got no help from... From I, doesn't it fall on Obama's shoulders ultimately um, that some some policy had to be in play that would cause the CIA or whomever to to try and stand you guys down and hold you back?
2: Again, that, that for us, to stand down and be, us being held back—that I still—that's just Bob. That's just who he was. And now knowing that the 17th Ev said they were never going to come and help, I, that yeah, that that was Bob.
1: All right, tig dot com, Benghazi war hero John Tig Tig, and thanks for your time. Back to back nights with me here on seven hundred and ten U.S. Really do appreciate you, sir.
2: Yes, sir. Thank
1: you. All right, we've only got a half hour to go. I've got an awful lot to share with you, so don't go anywhere. We'll wrap up Backbone Radio as we proceed tonight on seven hundred and ten. Gonna run out of time if I let that air out. Give it everything it deserves. Randy Corcoran, guest hosting tonight. Good to have you here. Uh, phones have been hot. Really have enjoyed the conversation. Text messages coming in in support of Benghazi war hero Tig Tigan and his run for Colorado Springs mayor. Tig for mayor.com. Tig for mayor.com. And I keep going back to my optimism about what's coming and about what's happening. About the opportunities for us um, in 2024, the way people are waking up to the to the shutdown culture, the cancel culture, uh, the enforcement of go woke and go broke. The, you know, the Twitter being made available to us was such a massive, massive change. And it's it's just terrific. And I don't believe it's going to get worse. I think it's going to get better if we can last that long. And the bottom line is the American people know what kind of trouble we're in. The American people know what life has been like under Joe Biden. Just listen to this from this morning on um, this week with George Step on all of us. This is not George, but uh, someone was filling in.
3: in. Our new poll this morning with The Washington Post shows significant warning signs for Democrats. More than half of the country disapproves of Biden's job performance, weighed down by significant discontent over the economy. 40% say they are worse off financially than they were two years ago. The most negative response to that question in nearly 40 years of our polling. And as Biden prepares for a likely 2024 reelection campaign, less than a third of Democratic voters want to see him renominated.
1: So sad, too bad, that's John Carl.
0: When President Biden addresses the nation on Tuesday night, he will be speaking to a skeptical public. Despite the low unemployment rate, a stronger than expected midterm performance for his political party and a string of legislative accomplishments, the president's job rating sits at just 45 percent. His poll numbers are even lower on his handling of the economy, foreign policy and specifically the war in Ukraine. Two thirds of voters have reservations or are very uncomfortable with the idea of Biden running for a second term.
1: Chuck Todd from Meet the Depressed, and, uh, and that is in spite of the fact that Joe Biden has been the great uniter.
3: We've united the, we've united the Asia.
1: We united the Asia. And?
3: More than half the women in my cabinet, more than, more than half the people in my cabinet, more than half of the women in, the, in my administration are women.
1: More than half of the women in my administration are women. I heard Peter Boyles yesterday on Saturday morning say that he trusted China when they said that the balloon floating across America was a weather balloon, and that just shocked me. Why in the world would you trust these people? The current putative president, the commander-in-chief over the last 12 years has been advocating for China over and over and over just listen starting in 2011.
3: China is not our enemy. I believe then and I'm even more convinced now that a rising China is an incredibly positive development for not only China but the United States and the rest of the world. It is in our self-interest that China continue to prosper. China is a great nation. And we should hope for the continued expansion. We want to see China rise. A rising China can be a significant asset for the region and the world. China is going to eat our lunch. Come on, man. They're not bad folks, folks. But guess what? They're not a co- they're, they're not, not they competition for us. China is not our problem. We, we can, can help them with some of them. their problems. China's not a problem. The idea that China is going to eat our lunch is bizarre. And so, what are we what are we worried about? talk about China as our competitor we should be helping so, do you think in retrospect that you were naive about China no you know what it's a, a d- beautiful history we wrote together
1: forgot about that one it's it's interesting to hear Biden over the years because he's never been bright Uh, You know, bottom of his law school class. He lied about that. He was called out on it in his first presidential run, had to withdraw from the race, lied about so many things, but he could at least, and and he had a stuttering problem that he had to overcome, uh, which, you know, you can commend a person. He's Obviously, it's getting worse now as his brain goes silent, but uh, the difference in his ability to at least get out words and articulate thoughts compared to now Is just extraordinary, and you put that up alongside John Fetterman, who we played for you earlier. In fact, if you weren't here, and
3: we should all support replacing the lead pipes and ensuring that everyone has clean, safe, clean drinking work. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: I, I want clean drinking work myself. But this balloon thing, I did some some homework on it, and here's the best that I can can figure. And I've just got to say, the idea that it's a weather balloon, nonsense, uh, just an ignorant statement given the fact that every person, uh, and I know you know, you can point the finger at the Pentagon and, and people who benefit financially from war and all of that, but there was a massive operation going on this week at Nellis Air Force Base. 3,000 service members, 100 aircraft. Casey Bloyer just popped in. We were talking. His brewery is over by Buckley Air Force Base. He said, extraordinary aircraft action. Nellis Air Force Base is in Nevada. And it was focused on the capabilities that we are said to have to protect the Indo-Pacific region. What is that? Indo-Pacific region is a, uh, you know, kind of a synonym right now for being ready if China tries to invade Taiwan. It was a multinational exercise. And so coincidentally, That particular week, a balloon with what looks like a spy platform the size of three school buses, three different panels, floats next door, floats above our nuclear arsenal, floats across Montana where there are three uh, military bases, very significant ones. Just extraordinary. And they knew about it. It was going on for days. They kept it from you. I started to accidentally play this earlier and I think uh, if I can find it again I will play it right now. Here it is. The Biden Balloon Briefing from Corinne Jean-Pierre. When did the White House learn about the balloon and why was there a delay in, you know, disclosing that the balloon was out there? Um, secondly, did the president make the decision to cancel the Secretary of State's trip and what does this episode say about US China relations at this time?
4: Okay. That's a lot of questions right there. Uh, So uh, he was the president was briefed on this on Tuesday. He was uh, he has been uh, continued to receive regular briefings and updates from the national security team.
1: Take that back. I was not Karine Jean Pierre. It was actually someone who could also string a sentence or two together. Uh, But president was aware of this on Tuesday. Were you aware of it on Tuesday? (laughs) Of course not. And how interesting of a coincidence to have that balloon come floating by while we are are testing our preparedness to defend Taiwan. Just doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense at all. I don't believe it for a second. We got into or got away from talking about this censorship, and there's some audio that I want to make sure and share with you before this show is over Project Veritas a week ago we played a bunch of audio from Project Veritas doing a undercover interview of a a scientist uh, a I forget his title right now I'll look it up maybe and give it to you on the other side but a very important figure at Pfizer who thought he was out on a date a gay date and started bragging about all the things all the shenanigans, all the nonsense, all the dangerous. Uh, They're literally trying to manipulate the virus so they can practice making vaccines, so-called vaccines, to treat future possible strains of the virus. And it's a legitimate tape. It's powerful. It's damaging. It's damning for Pfizer. And YouTube took it down. So I think I've got time to tease this. This was when Project Veritas went to confront the idiot over there at YouTube that made this
4: decision. Matt, Christian Hartsock, Project Veritas. Why did you ban our videotape of a Pfizer director talking about mutating viruses?
2: Don't
4: tell this, You are <laughs> hey, like, you know how the virus keeps mutating? Yeah. Well, one of the things we're exploring is, like, why don't we just mutate our ourselves so we can work on, develop new vaccines, How much is Pfizer paying you to run cover for them? Is YouTube brought to us by Pfizer? Matt, you're the global head of trust and safety at YouTube. Why don't you trust the public with a matter that absolutely concerns their safety?
1: The global head of trust and safety at YouTube... YouTube took down the Project Veritas undercover video exposing that Pfizer is manipulating viruses, testing them on live monkeys, uh, violating all kinds of protocols out there. And by the way, uh, when this guy gets confronted, uh, the Pfizer employee, he goes bananas. He grabs the iPad, tries to smash it into the ground. It is extraordinary. We'll play more of this Project Veritas confrontation of the YouTube bigwig when we wrap up Backbone Radio next. I just want to say thanks, give a shout out to Dr. Matt Dunn, man, for just setting such a high standard here at, uh, at Backbone Radio, from the music, from the preparation, from the perspective of the world traveling history and experience that uh, that he brought and brings to everything that he does. And, and um, if you're... Just late to the show, I will repeat for you the statement that he sent to me uh, from Dr. Matt Dunn, quote, I just had to realize I'm too darn busy to keep the Sunday routine at present. So not not a closure, but a pause, it sounds like to me. And uh, But man, oh man, what big shoes to fill. And I was honored to have an opportunity to come in and have some fun with you guys tonight. You have been terrific as well. And I always say this, the Listeners are always so good at keeping me in line or or filling in information, missing pieces. Jackie tweeted in the title, the partial title of the uh, the person that Project Veritas initially confronted. I played a ton of video from this in the show on January 28th. And um, so I went back and looked to my show description there. And the person that they caught was the. Uh, Director of Research and Development, Strategic Operations, and MRNA Scientific Planning. Can you imagine that? Director of Research and Development, Strategic Operations, and MRNA. That's the so-called VAX, the genetic treatment, MRNA Scientific Planning, Jordan Tristan Walker and if you haven't heard it, you should grab the podcast for Wake Up with Randy Corcoran, hour three, January 28th at 710knus.com and listen, because this guy spills the beans about uh, really, you know, more of this uh, enhancement of these viruses. And it's it's terrifying. So the Project Veritas video goes absolutely viral. And YouTube comes along and shuts them down. Uh, I guess that this is short enough. We'll we'll start it from the beginning just so, and we'll play it straight through. It's just a couple of minutes. Fascinating. They're walking side by side along with this man. Matt,
4: Christian Hartsock, Project Veritas. Why did you ban our videotape of a Pfizer director talking about mutating viruses? Don't tell me what this is. have a problem. We're exploring like now, you know how the virus keeps mutating? Yeah. Well one of the things we're exploring is like why don't we just mutate it ourselves so we could work develop new vaccines. Right? How much is Pfizer paying you to run cover for them? Is YouTube brought to us by Pfizer? Matt, you're the global head of trust and safety at YouTube. Why don't you trust the public with a matter that absolutely concerns their safety?
1: Clown just keeps on walking. This isn't the guy that talked about mutating the viruses at, at Pfizer so they can make more of their booster after booster after booster after booster billions and billions and billions of dollars. This is the guy at YouTube that said, you, the American people, don't get to hear this.
4: Matt, millions of people are going to see this videotape, and they're going to see your cowardice. They're going to see your absolute contempt for the public trust, and they're going to see your absolute disregard for public safety. Are you sure this is how you wish to portray yourself? Silence. Matt, be brave. Say something. Just keeps on walking. How much ad revenue does YouTube take in from Pfizer? How much was at stake? Hello? A Pfizer director talking about mutating viruses. I'm like, you know how the virus keeps mutating? Why don't we just mutate it ourselves? And you don't want the American public or the world to know about it.
1: This is why, in the end, we win. The left knows that if you have access to the truth... You'll say "No way, not in my America. This still is the land of the free, the home of the brave, where we get to plan our own lives, get to make our own decisions, have our own opportunities, and not have the government either take care of us or tell me what we tell us what we must do and this guy just keeps on walking.
4: YouTube just took down our yeah,
1: I'll start that over just because it, in this particular segment, this is uh, James O'Keefe, the founder of Project Veritas. Man, a guy I met years ago. In fact, I was an MC at an event where he was a speaker when he was just uh, outing um, the the organization. That they, remember, he dressed up uh, this beautiful woman as a prostitute, and he was a pimp, and they went in. And um, and we're getting funding and a a home set up where they could bring in uh, girls as young as 12 years old and give them homes. And they were freely talking about using them as uh, as sexual tools, as sexual players. And the folks were just saying, yeah, fine, we we can help here. Fill out the paperwork here. It literally shut down the organization that they were busting. That's how James O'Keefe got his start. And here he is.
4: YouTube just took down our Pfizer expose. YouTube gave us a strike and will not let us post for a week. Why not? Do you have any ethical responsibility to the American people, to the world? Why does the public not deserve to see that videotape? Uh, You touched me. That's not something you want to do. Yeah, you touched me, man. Is that a threat? Are you threatening me. me? Is the is the global head of trust and safety threatening me?
2: No, I just said I okay. call the police if you if you accost me.
4: Well, I I'm, I, I didn't touch you, Matt. Uh, yes, you did. Matt Halpern, global head of trust and safety. Brought to you by Pfizer. Christian Hardsock, Project Veritas.
1: Project Veritas, man, killing it. Absolutely killing it. And, uh, I'm so glad to be able to say, I knew, I knew James O'Keefe back when I got to know the, the, uh the woman that they dressed up as a prostitute, Hannah Giles or Giles. I always forget how to pronounce her last name. Uh, and, and she actually, uh, talk about a social influencer. She was, she's white, but she was like the, like Candace Owen, you know, um, and she could have continued to do so, instead she decided to go home and raise her family. Uh, just an extraordinary woman. And uh, But James O'Keefe has taken this thing on. I, I guess we've got time to try and squeeze in one more call. Lynn, we're going to have to keep it tight. Welcome.
4: Okay, Randy, I, it's Lynn Cottrell. Um, I was commenting about, I put that up on Facebook and uh, told everybody, please watch this. You know, it's really critical. I didn't get one comment or one like, so the algorithm, just take it away. They don't even show it.
1: Did you put up the Twitter, the Pfizer exec, or the YouTube guy that was confronted?
4: Um, it's the Pfizer exec.
1: Yeah. It's an incredible bit of video, and it's fully available on Twitter. Uh, I'm sure there are other sources for it, but... Uh, they're just terrified, Lynn, and that's why we win in the end, because they, we can win on the truth. They can only win if they keep up the lie.
4: For sure. But I was so disappointed that yeah. none of my friends see it. I don't get likes on my politi- anything political, but if I put a picture of the family up, everybody likes it. Yeah. You know, so... I know they, uh, those, those people aren't seeing
1: them. Yeah, I've started, you know, put up these cute uh, animal videos and stuff like that, and they'll get dozens and dozens, sometimes hundreds of likes if I tell a love story to my wife or something. But if it's anything political, there's three or four. Uh, I,
3: yeah, I know. Yeah.
1: So yeah. we we know the game that's being played, and uh, Twitter's going to help. Um, America's going to help. Project Veritas is going to help. The American people are going to wake up. Lynn, it's so good to hear your voice. I hope to see you out in the uh, political world here one of these days, real soon.
0: I'll be there, Randy. <laughs> I
1: know you will. Takes a licking and yeah. keeps on ticking. Okay. God bless you, my you dear.
4: Best, okay, thanks, Randy. All right,
1: Bye-bye. voices out of the past. I just love it. I cannot believe that three hours are gone. Backbone Radio. Thanks again to Met Dr. Matt Dunn for setting such a high standard for this show. Um, I will be out of town next weekend, so I won't be doing my Saturday show. I don't know who will be filling in on Backbone Radio either. Uh, all right, Blake. Casey Bloyer, the Bloyer Effect is next. I always end my shows this way.
4: I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize second, no. to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f- he wants